0: A lot of women think they're fertile every day. That they think you get pregnant every day. That's not the case,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? There's really this short window of time. It's different for men. Men can get a woman pregnant at any time. Uh, but there's just such a lack of knowledge. Assuming and, they have access to all kinds of women. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> In different parts of the cycle right, all the time. That's right. You know, every day, every day. a special day. kind of man
2: to be able to have that kind of luxury. Yeah. yes. The um, real luxury is having one woman.
0: So... When we get young women in our office, and we'll often have either mothers usually with them, and the first question they usually have is, well, what about birth control? Because I don't want her to get pregnant.
2: There is only one supplement that I think almost everyone on this planet should be taking, and that's a full-spectrum and highly bioavailable magnesium supplement. Because, well, let's face it, ever since the Industrial Revolution, our soil has been depleted of magnesium. And therefore, our food is depleted of magnesium. And on top of that, our modern environments, which are inherently overstimulating and stressful, are constantly depleting our body of magnesium. And unlike other nutrients, this is not something that your body can produce on its own. It literally needs to get it from the diet. And one individual kind of magnesium alone is not enough. You actually need seven different kinds to support over 300 biochemical reactions that help Regulate your nervous system, red blood cell production, energy production, uh, managing stress and emotions, etc. And so, the folks at Bioptimizers have made it very easy and convenient to add back in what the modern world leaves out. They've created Magnesium Breakthrough. Now, I've been taking this for the past two years, and the biggest benefits that I've seen are related to my evening wind-down sessions and my sleep. I tend to be pretty overactive in the evenings, just totally overthinking. Everything that I do, and this has helped me wind down and get more restorative, more efficient to sleep. So I wake up feeling way more refreshed, more energized, more clear, more ready for the day. And the way that I see it, sleep is upstream of essentially every other health and wellness-related habit and decision, because if you're sleeping better, automatically you're going to have more regular cravings, you're going to have higher insulin sensitivity. You can derive more of all these inputs like fitness, right? You make more gains. You gain more muscle, you burn more calories, and you wake up feeling refreshed so that you can do it again and again and again. And then beyond the fitness, you have more energy to go for a walk, to do fun activities with friends. You are less stressed so you can socialize anxiety-free. And you're also going to be retaining, refreshing, and refining your skills and information much, much better so you won't forget any names. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, over three hundred biochemical processes that you're supporting with magnesium. And then sleep, I mean, wow, better sleep is just a better life in general. So I found it extremely helpful on a personal level, and I'm sure that you guys will find it helpful too. Your mind and body, and maybe even your spirit, will will thank you. So anyway, if you want to get a sweet little discount off of this amazing, amazing magnesium supplement from Bioptimizers. All you have to do is visit the show notes. So you scroll down right now. takes just a couple seconds and boom, you'll have access to all seven different kinds of magnesium that your body needs. All you have to do is hit the link and use code KYP for Know Your Physio. KYP. That's all. Enjoy 10 to 22% off depending on the package you choose, whether or not you subscribe. I'm obviously subscribed because I don't even want to think about whether or not I'm gonna get this essential supplement in the mail. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy that awesome stuff. And that's all for now. I'll see you guys on the show. Okay. All right. So <laughs> we're here with Dr. Jessica DuPont, a naturopathic doctor, and uh, we're gonna have a little chat about fertility. 100%. And um, I think one of, well, I'm sure we'll explore all sorts of themes within the umbrella of fertility. But one thing that I was fascinated by that we recently chatted about was how your fertility, that kind of status, is really like, uh, really paints the picture of your lifestyle and your overall health and well being, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can really um, tell based on someone's, you know, fertility and, um, maybe sperm or, you know, ovarian or egg health, you can really tell how they live and the quality of life that they have. So yeah. before we dive in any of that, uh, welcome to the show. Thank
0: you for having me. I'm so excited <laughs> yeah. Thank to you, be here. Arno,
2: for helping us put this together. Yes. Thank you, Brent, for sharing the space with us. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we start with why? Why do you do what you do?
0: Oh, So why I do what I do is... There's many reasons. Number one, becoming a naturopathic doctor. I was pushed through the medical system, as many people are, through my entire life with certain uh, symptoms and concerns that I was just put on antibiotics for and being told to just go home, take your antibiotics, you'll be fine. I was on 30 rounds of antibiotics in a matter of two two years. I knew I didn't know any better. You know, I just trusted my doctor. I trusted whatever the doctor said. I was 20 years old. I was in university and, uh, you know, nobody around but but myself. So walk-in clinics and, and things like that. And it wasn't until things got really bad where we found out that there was actually a physiological issue with my kidney um, that was making me have certain symptoms. And, and I didn't actually have to be on antibiotics all those times. And, of course, that wreaks havoc on your gut health. It wreaks havoc on everything in your system when your gut is out of whack and so uh, at the time I was kind of chugging towards going into mainstream medicine you know it was always the plan go into medicine become an MD and uh, at that point somebody said to me well you should go see an naturopathic doctor and I had no idea what it was it sounded like a brain, somebody with something to do with the brain. (laughs) I was like, okay. So I went to see her and she completely changed my life. She sat with me for over an hour. She didn't just ask me about my physical symptoms. We went into stress, what I was eating, mental and emotional concerns. So we looked at the whole body, the whole picture, and she just dived in. She changed my diet. We reduced inflammation. We did acupuncture. She put me on herbs. We did cleansing. And I was symptom-free within three months. They've never returned. So we really got down to the root cause of what was going on. And that's when I decided that's the type of medicine I want to go into. So that's how I got, um, you know, into the naturopathic space, into more preventative medicine and looking at the health of the overall person instead of just, you know, putting on Band-Aids, uh, Band-Aid solutions for things. Um why I do what I do now, my practice has sort of shifted. I kind of started off more in the pediatric space. And when I was working with pediatrics, I saw a lot of ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, kids with allergies you know popping up like left and right, and um, you know, verbal issues, behavioral issues, a lot of things, eczema, you know. And when I was working with these kids, I started you know learning more about environmental medicine getting into toxin exposure and heavy metals and you know there was a there was an article by Environmental Working Group that was released that show up up until this point it was believed that babies were born you know clean and no toxins and very sterile and uh, this this study proved that they found over 230 chemicals in umbilical cords of newborn babies and these chemicals were Uh, included heavy metals as well. So, mercury, lead, arsenic, all these... 230
2: modern chemicals.
0: So, interestingly enough, there was some chemicals in the umbilical cords that have been banned for over five generations. So, they're now seeing that, you know, we're not only taking in chemicals in the womb that, you know, our mother is predisposed to, but... There's chemicals from the father's side that are coming in through sperm, from grandparents, from great grandparents. So five generations worth of toxins and heavy metals are being passed down, right? So, and these chemicals are linked to reproductive issues, to ADHD, to autism, to even childhood leukemias and obesity, uh, blood sugar issues. So um, that's when my, I shifted into fertility because I was like, I need to start working with people before they're born. You know, and how we do that is working with women and couples before they even try to conceive. And um, the biggest reason I work with women mostly is I find there's such a gap in the knowledge around um, what women know about their health. Like, so many women come into their fall. I
2: mean, they're, missed, they're no. underrepresented in the, in the research.
0: 100%. Know. And, you know, women grow up, you know, with painful periods, they're put on the pill. You know, they have irregular yeah. cycles. Oh, go on the pill. Come back to see me when you're ready to have a baby. Um, uh, you know, really heavy cycles. And, and some women don't even understand. They think it's normal. It's normal to have painful periods. It's, or it's uh, normal
2: to get pills to manage 100%. that and just band-aid solution, you know, whatever. Yeah.
0: So they're just doing the best they can with the knowledge that they're getting, right? But um, I know even me, I was taught nothing about my cycle as a child, other than the fact that like we bleed once a month. Right? So I was like, okay. And then once that period's over, we're done. But there's so much more into what goes on in women's cycle from week to week. And that cycle really does cycle over the course of the month and the hormones shift and everything. And if I think about if I learned this stuff in when I was a teenager, even in school or from my parents or from whoever, my entire perspective on being a woman, on my health, on what that means to be healthy would have been completely different. Mm-hmm. And I would have started looking at my cycle a little bit differently. I feel like there's, you know, this uh, negative, you know, um, view on our menstrual cycles, right? We look at them as dirty as I don't want them to come and it's just annoying. And so there's all this like negative language around it when really we should welcome it and watch for certain signs and recognize what's happening in your body because that can give you an indication of what's going on elsewhere in your body with your entire physiology. And so I think that's what I want to do. I want to kind of close that gap and start teaching women more about their bodies, even men more about their bodies. Cause I feel like sperm health is like the last thing they even think about when they shouldn't be. And it doesn't all have to do with reproducing. Yeah. Like you should know about this stuff, even if you're not trying to conceive or if you're done having children.
2: And I'll tell you what, for the men that are tuning into this, Mm -hmm. that should be tuning into this it really pays. It's it's priceless to know about your woman or, or your future woman's cycle. Yes. Uh, and and what she's going through and how you can be a better partner or more understanding, empathetic partner, cater to their individual physiological needs throughout the month or just have a better understanding of you know what they might or might not be struggling with. Um, yeah. I think it's very empowering for, for, for men and you know, my, my girlfriend, as you know, she's also um, in this realm and i think mm-hmm. it's been empowering for me genuinely um yeah. and so yeah for the men that are tuning in stick <laughs> around <laughs> yeah.
0: for sure i think it's even you know at a certain time in my cycle i might say to my husband okay that time i'm probably going to be a little bit more moody right now yeah. just it's nothing to do with you i'm just like going yeah. through and he's starting to understand now that we do actually cycle and the way we yeah. feel at different times of our cycle will depend on you know our crave or will influence our cravings and how we want to move and how much energy we have
2: yeah so Other, last week actually i looked at my girlfriend and i was like baby you're ovulating <laughs> you know i was like god damn baby you are ovulating right now and <laughs> i this love is it alluding to you know uh we'll we'll get into this a little more in depth yes. but yeah say baby she was like, she was like you think so because i haven't been wearing my aura rings so i don't know if my temperature has has gone up or whatever and i was like or gone up or down i think it's up. The
0: temperature will go up. Yeah, by mm-hmm. like
2: 0. 0.1 degrees or whatever, mm. right? On the aura. Aura is actually pretty good at capturing that. <laughs> like, Baby, I was, She's like. She's like. You think so? I was like. I was like. Ah, I think you're late ovulation. You know, like in your last few days. Of but I, 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 you're, you're ovulating oh, for sure. You're so funny. Yeah. Yeah. You so you can just feel the pheromones in the air. You, you know? can feel
0: the pheromones, and you can also tell when a woman is ovulating. Usually, if they're in sync with their cycles. Yeah, right? she's if in the, sync. Yeah, if yeah. she's in sync and she's healthy, uh, this is the time when you know your estrogen is highest. Your yeah, she's going up. And I was like,
2: like, I can feel that craving, you know, and, and, (laughs) and and she, it's like, I'm just going to be honest, like, this is the magic of knowing your physiology as a man and a woman and knowing your partner's physiology. Like I looked at her and I was like, baby, like, wow. It's go time. Yeah. No, no, for real. (laughs) It's go time. But that's the time we have to be the most careful. Right. If you're not trying. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. But yeah, it's she's, usually is she like the blushed, time you know, your... and I just think it's just, it's a cool you know little game that we play, like oh, like let me try to guess where you are on your cycle, and then oh. you know I can. Uh, so the yeah. week
0: she's on her period, you're probably like, oh, you're definitely on your period. Right no, no,
2: no, 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 no. That's uh, you see, that's when you when you keep, it to yourself, <laughs> you keep it to yourself, but you know about it, so you can still cater to it, but it looks like it's just like subtle or you know or or she has no idea, you know, yes. and I'm just. And then, oh, oh my God! You know, thank you for this, or thank you for Aww. that, or for the chocolates, or whatever. Or take me on a date. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you know, were at, you know. Oh, you know, you know, you know.
0: that's so but, good. Uh, that's no, but the great. other day
2: with ovulation, that yeah, that was a funny little interaction that we had.
0: I actually really love that you said that because it's not often that I teach men, you know, yeah. the cycle of women. Yeah, and so I think it is really important, and that you might actually even change the way I practice in some way, because. um not only teaching the female partner, I think it's just as critical to teach the male partner and understanding yeah.
2: that. I mean, I think that this area right now, like this is a, a a niche. I mean, I know it's it's been growing quite a lot. There's, you know, the, the women's health and hormones and the cycle sinking and female biorhythm. That's mm-hmm. been growing a lot, but and I think it is a multi billion dollar business. And dollars aside, it just shows the impact and, and how important it is for women to really dig into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just one way, I guess, to measure the the, the growth. But I think that the next wave is going to be in men getting their hands on this knowledge and leveraging it, you know, Mm -hmm. so that they can be as compatible with their female counterpart as possible. Even if it's, you know, beyond a a romantic partner, a business partner, you know, whatever, a a mother, a sister, a friend, you know, Um, so that it's not like this weird, uh, you know, taboo topic. It's Mm -hmm. just something that, all right, like, let's. Understand each other and we're gonna yeah. accomplish more together, you know.
0: And I think that you hit something there when you're talking about business and women in business, because unfortunately, we do still live in a very male dominant society, especially in uh, like if you look at the number of CEOs that are men compared to women, right? And when women are put into the environment where there's a lot of male energy and you know, in big companies where you know you're go, go, go all day long. Men can handle that a lot better because men's liter- men literally cycle their hormones every 24 hours, yeah. right? Their testosterone is highest in the morning and then next morning it's right back up. Where women, it really only spikes once a month. And during different times in her cycle, she's going to be more inclined to get certain tasks done, do presentations and things like that. But at other times, she's not going to be as optimal to do so. So if people in the work environment are understanding of that, And not to say, like, you have to, as a woman, be like, this is where I am in my cycle. Um, But as a woman in, you know, in being in, you know, um, in a business where I have been in an environment where it's very male dominated, I knew when the right time was for me to do a presentation, to start new projects or to, you know, settle down and just kind of get things done. And because I can read my cycle and I know And I think it would be very important for other people to know that. And I think there would be more success in business and more success of women in business because of that, because we're not trying to push them through certain um, activities, driving up their cortisol, driving up their stress when they should actually be resting and being more restorative and just you can get sort of uh, work done still, but on like a a deeper level versus like just being outward and going to meetings and everything, right?
2: I mean, I'll tell you what, like if... if (laughs) I'm a CEO and founder and I have a to-do list of tasks. Some of them require me to be very stressed out. Some of them Mm -hmm. are more things that I have to delegate and communicate. Some of them are tasks that require me to be very empathetic. And I think that as a woman, if you get in touch with your physiology and you look at what's your superpower this week, according to your hormones, Mm -hmm. you can select the group of tasks that make the most sense for you. And I think it's honestly a pretty... um, as a CEO, you tend to have that flexibility and also the flexibility should work for you rather than against you, you know, being your own yes. decision maker in a way. So I think women should consider this to be the most empowered CEOs that they can be. Right. And uh, they'll be able to navigate their to-do list more effectively than yeah. men potentially. And you like
0: know. saying this, maybe it's a little bit too, too much TMI, but I scheduled this podcast for figured, this time. I figured. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Are you kidding me?
2: I was like, I know that. I woke up this morning and I was like, you know what? Hmm, I, she's probably being very strategic about this I was you very know, so. strategic 100%. yeah that's, a, that's amazing yeah
0: and awesome. I know because when I and this is the time when I'm mostly most clear-headed more focused and I know that if I'm at a different time in my cycle I have a lot yeah. of brain fog a lot more just like right well, just why like, do you think
2: I chose 11am rather than 10am I, oh I see
0: what you're doing I see what you're doing yeah. okay so
2: a little more mental clarity more blood flow yeah 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 and it's yeah. good
0: that you're in tune with that right Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Cool. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So, so let's have a little chat about, um, what you can actually measure as far as, uh, your reproductive health Mm -hmm. and what this can, um, show you as far as changes that you might need to make in your lifestyle Yes. to be healthy, feeling great and have your highest odds of reproductive success.
0: Yeah. So let's, um, let's talk about men and women separately, and then we'll talk about things that we can kind of test together so in terms of, let's start with men, because they're actually a little bit easier. So like I work a lot in the, in, because I work in the fertility world, I work a lot it's with fertility doctors. <laughs> I, I mean, easier I in kidding, terms of kidding. testing, in terms yeah, of yeah, testing. Yeah, I was messing, I was messing. So you'll see that um, when couples go to fertility clinics, the women's file is like this thick. Yeah. Right. And then the guys is like this. <laughs> yeah. And they do like one round of blood For those work those who can't and
2: that's see it. what we're doing, women tend to have a lot more well, there's a or, lot
0: there's a lot more available for right. sure and there's a lot more conditions that we right. really kind of you know need to need to look into but um when it comes to to men i really like to know if you're going through fertility for coming to fertility i would like to see a semen analysis number one and i'm not only looking at sperm count you know i have a lot of <laughs> People come to me, they're in fertility clinics, and the men are like, My sperm's amazing. Look how many sperm I have. And even their fertility doctors are telling them their sperm looks amazing. And I'm going, But, you know, your morphology is. Borderline low, and What's your motility morphology is the shape of the sperm. So it's looking at the head of the sperm and the tail of the sperm. The head is it is it too small? Is it too large? Um, is the tail short? Is it long? Is it kinked? Is it you know a different shapes and things like that? And it needs to be in an ideal shape for it to propel in, in the right direction. So usually, if morphology is on the lower end, or there's like more sperm that is not in the ideal structure, you will have lower motility because they're either. Mm-hmm swimming in circles or they're swimming backwards or they're not moving at all so um you know they might have like borderline motility issues and borderline uh, morphology issues and i'm sitting here and i'm going if you don't take care of this now it's going to then affect your count right so they just think oh i'm good i'm good and they go on you know eating terribly or um maybe they're not active maybe they're smoking whatever whatever have you but uh, we, so we want to look at a semen analysis in totality, want look at the pH of the sperm, and uh, there's also something called DNA fragmentation. So we're looking at how much of the DNA in the sperm is actually fragmented, and that would be uh, triggered by many things. Like we could we could talk about that too, and what what changes that. Um, that's in terms of sperm health. But above that, you know what I want to see is if your sperm is not healthy, then why? Right? So we want to do blood work. We want to look at uh, total testosterone, bioavailable testosterone, sex hormone binding globulin. I want to see zinc because if zinc is low, then testosterone production is likely on the lower end. And then, of course, looking at things like lipids and liver enzymes and inflammatory markers, because all of those are going to tell me if you have more inflammation in the body, if you have a lack of blood flow. Like If there's high cholesterol, guarantee there's a lack of blood flow everywhere in your body, not just your pelvic floor. Um, other things with men I like to look at is um, digestion right so and blood sugar uh, we know that like obesity and even just insulin resistance and blood sugar issues do cause a deficiency in sperm and affect men's fertility and digestion maybe digestion will save to kind of go through as men and women together because there's a huge uh, impact there when it comes to women um there are certain standard tests that we do kind of like right away right away i want to see day three hormones so there's different ways we can test your hormones right there's blood there's uh urine and uh, uh, urine. Test. what's that dutch test the dutch test yeah is, is good i mean there's definitely some i have a love-hate relationship with dutch because i hear so many things like you know i use it occasionally oftentimes i find i don't have to i like looking at the metabolites though to see, you know, um, how you're cycling your estrogen, for example, is your DHEA being converted into testosterone? What form of testosterone? And even for men, that could be very helpful. Looking at the adrenal access, you know, um, morning like your cortisol awakening response, how your cortisol is moving throughout the day, can all be really beneficial. And it's giving you more of a, um, you know, month long perspective, or like, or for the course of depending on which one you're doing. Um, of of what your hormones are doing versus just blood, which is like literally a point in time. However, blood is probably the most universal and easiest to get, right? Like you're not going to be able to get a Dutch through a conventional medicine practitioner. You're going to have to go through functional medicine or naturopathic doctor. They're not necessarily covered by insurance. So there's limitations there. Um, A lot of what I do in my practice is intuitive. So a lot of times I shift the testing depending on what i think is going on like after i've done like a full history so when it comes to blood work i want to see hormones at two different times in the cycle for a woman day three is when we look at the majority of hormones and then seven days after ovulation is when i usually like to see progesterone and then Mm -hmm. occasionally look at a progesterone estrogen ratio at that time um when i work with women in fertility though and even men a lot of the times many of these tests are done not in In intense detail, but uh, like thyroid, for example, is so underdiagnosed. And, you know, they'll say, my thyroid's normal. My TSH looks good. My T4 looks good. And I'm like, but they didn't test your T3. They didn't test your reverse T3, your thyroid antibodies. All those could be positive. Um, And testing really does depend on someone's history. So if somebody's had frequent um, pregnancy loss, for example, I would want to look at phospholipid antibodies, and if there's any autoimmune condition that could be contributing blood clotting issues, Um, MTHFR mutations, which I'm sure you probably know Mm -hmm. a little bit about, right? Um, But those aren't recognized by a lot of of, um, practitioners, but I see it in practice and there's lots of research coming out on it now. Heavy metal testing and toxin exposure, looking at micronutrient status. Those micronutrients, especially magnesium being one of them, are so critical to hormone production and your ability to even detoxify estrogens or um, sleep. You know, it, there's, it's has an impact on so many avenues of of uh, fertility. When it and that would be for men and women. Like I would do heavy metal analysis on a man as well and look at um, that nutrient status. One that I feel like is really important. When I look at, you know, the HPA axis, Mm -hmm. right? Everybody knows hypopituitary, adrenal axis. It's like the be all end all. I kind of look at it even deeper than that. So it's kind of goes like hypothalamic, pituitary, adrenal, thyroid, gonadal, gut, Mm -hmm. right? So there's so much more involved because we have hormones in all of those spaces that are now being effective. Gonadal being like your testes and um, ovaries. Um, If you look at your hormones uh, on a spider web, so if you picture a spider web, if you pluck the end of the web, the whole web shakes, Mm -hmm. right? It's the same thing with that entire axis. If one little thing is off, maybe it's your cortisol, Mm -hmm. maybe it's your thyroid, maybe, you know, maybe something genetic even, the whole web will shake. Mm -hmm. So um, when we look at reproductive, oftentimes, we need to look outside the reproductive system in order to figure out what's going on. And that's where I think a lot of Main Street medicine is failing, right? The,
2: the branches on that spider web?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like they're just looking at the eggs and they're just looking at the ovaries and they're just looking at the sperm. And I'm going, well, what's happening with their microbiome, right? Have you ever heard of the astrobiome?
2: Astrobiome. Uh-huh, okay.
0: So the astrobiome is a subset of bacteria in the gut that is basically there to um, produce and cycle out estrogen, like that's what they Mm -hmm. do. And so they produce estrogens in the body and they cycle out. And so if they're in excess or deficient, that's also going to affect how a woman cycles estrogen Mm -hmm. and it could um, influence endometriosis and fibroids and Mm -hmm. PCOS and, and these other conditions. And so we need to look outside the box. This is why so many people are diagnosed with unexplained infertility, right? Um, and then when men particularly come to, to me come and say, well, you know, my sperm is great, I'm fine. Um, and then I go in and I find these little things like, well, your motility is slightly low or this is slightly low. Um, they, they say to me, okay, well, if I fix this, and then all i got to do is get her pregnant, right? That's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, okay, I'll detox and I'll do all this stuff and I'll, and I'll eat the way you want me to. And then, but as soon as I give you my sperm, I'm done, mm-hmm. right? And then I go, but why? You know, you're a 25 year old young man or 35 or sometimes 40. And if there's an issue with your sperm, then there's gotta be other issues elsewhere. You know, like if your sperm is damaged, Think about what your other cells are doing. So why would you go back to eating the way you're eating or loading your body up with toxins? Can I
2: I tell you something more like philosophical? Yeah. Um, The way I see fertility is like your fertility is basically like, I think reproduction is a luxury. Mm -hmm. Relatively speaking, I think it's the the most incredible luxury that your body can reward you with is your reproductive health. Like mm-hmm. we're here on Earth to survive and to reproduce. Yeah. That, a, I mean, it obviously is. we're here for more than that. But yeah. But I think, just to put it as simple as that, like we're here to survive and reproduce. Yeah. Survival of the fittest is real, mm-hmm. whether you believe in science or not. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I think that it's really representative of 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 that. Um, yeah. And so like, if you're just getting someone pregnant for the sake of being pregnant, okay, great. But like, mm-hmm. there's so much more to life than that hundred percent all the way through (laughs) you know what i mean um
0: it's your fifth vital sign
2: what is fertility yes or sixth 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 oh wait fifth Fifth. but i'm thinking about senses like sixth i'm like what (laughs) What am i talking about
0: um it's your fifth vital sign right a vital sign like you know your temperature or your heart rate they're all things that you can monitor on like you know symptomatically or on the level so um for a woman that can become very easy. If you're monitoring your cycle, that's your fifth vital sign. That's telling you how healthy you are. Even if you're not getting pregnant, even if you're 15 years old and you just got your period, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, Men, a little bit harder, but what men can look at is their libido, right? Their energy and, um, you know. If you're
2: waking up hard in the morning.
0: Right, right. And what does the ejaculate look like? What color is it? Uh, How much is there? right? So all of that is their pain during intercourse, like all of these things that we should be paying attention to. And, um, and you're right, it doesn't have to be just about reproduction. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to reproduction, um, I have, I work with a lot of people, uh, three months to even a year, two years before they even start trying to get pregnant, because they know how much their lifestyle and even there's some genetics, of course, how that impacts their egg quality and their sperm quality. So, when they go to get pregnant, they want to get pregnant with the healthiest sperm prop, uh, possible, the healthiest egg problem well, uh, possible. You're,
2: you're, you're your fittest version to reproduce. Yeah. You yeah. know, nowadays we're not going to be killed off by a, a storm or a predator, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we're slowly, well, I guess more quickly, we're killing ourselves through toxic exposure to poor lifestyle habits, mm-hmm. uh, lack of discipline, you know, heavy metals, microplastics, yeah. EMF, like terrible sleep, blue light exposure. Yeah. I mean, you name it. Yeah. So it's like you're doing yourself the favor and you're doing your offspring and their offspring the favor yeah. of living the best life that they can live. Yeah. Um, and I think that is the biggest luxury that we can afford. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so.
0: So it's so great, too, that you and your partner are starting to just look at the health of that even like before you're ready to conceive because you guys are just setting your future child if you decide to go down that road uh, for just a better foundation at life and yeah reducing a lot of risks and we can't we can't um, we can do a lot in terms of you know the health of our eggs and our sperm but you know we can't stop exposures to everything. You know, even if you eat organic and if you buy all the, the clean products and all this stuff that don't have endos, uh, endocrine disrupting chemicals, you're still going outside and you're breathing in the air Yeah. and our air is far from clean. Our water is far from clean. Um, so it's it's everywhere, unfortunately, but all we can do is kind of reduce our exposure and fix yeah. what's in our control, right? Um,
2: what do you yeah. have to say about the controversy of taking... Women off of birth control. Like, I know that, you know, this whole theme, unfortunately, this theme of cycle sinking, female body is relatively new. I mean, it's an ancient uh, yeah. physiological response mm-hmm. that we're now becoming familiar with, and it's empowering us, and it's giving us this, like, health freedom and this incredible mm-hmm. quality of life, mm-hmm. uh, and intuition, and interoception, and self awareness. Yeah. But it's like, given the structure and the society that we live in right now, and the medical system that we're in, uh, or I guess not in, but that we're exposed to, mm-hmm. um, getting women to st- stop taking birth control mm-hmm. to regulate their cycle, right. you know, whatever that means, right. and telling them, hey, start looking at your physiology. Start getting curious about it and just yes. kind of giving women that responsibility. Because I'll tell you what, I think the the, the the what is, in my opinion, the most difficult thing is to assume that a woman, especially a young woman, can take on the responsibility of getting to know mm-hmm. her body and regulating her life mm-hmm. for the sake of, oh my God, my female rhythm. So like, what do you have to say about that relative controversy and how can young women navigate that change or even open their minds to it when they are more responsible and they can make the best decision for themselves?
0: Yeah, so I, you're talking about kind of like the fertility awareness method, right? Where you're kind of tracking your own cycle, yeah, right? And so there's definitely a movement now towards many women wanting to come off birth control because Mm -hmm. they're learning that The birth control, I think that it's being over-prescribed, right? There's probably about 50% of the population is not using it necessarily for birth control purposes. They're using it to control their painful periods. Yeah, exactly. It's like regulate their cycle. You know, they think they're regulating it. It's just like,
2: hey, woman, (laughs) like, hey, just just be normal. You know, like assimilate to our standards, our society, just like super, just normalize yourself. mm
0: -hmm. This is just totally a lack of education in our medical system and in our you know in in what they're teaching their patients as well uh, that this is where that hole comes in that I was talking about is you know we're being pushed aside as women you know you have a 15 16 year old coming into an office to see a medical doctor and, and I'm not just saying this is all all medical doctors do this right I'm just saying these are patterns we're seeing um you know, they're, they're saying I have extremely painful periods and they're put on the pill, you know, and they're not, there's no investigation into why their pa- periods are painful. Uh, my sister being one of them on the floor passing out with her periods since they first came at the age of 13, uh, her entire life ended up finally getting a diagnosis of endometriosis when she was in her 30s and ended up having to get a fallopian tube and ovary removed. And that's because the pill is not fixing the underlying issue right and even with pcos when you have irregularity in your cycles it's a, that's a whole metabolic syndrome that's gone missed and now here you are tw- you know 10 years 15 years down the line off of coming off of birth control trying to get pregnant and you can't and you're going well why it's like well cuz your underlying issues were never addressed and now they've gotten a lot worse So unfortunately, a lot of these reproductive issues have been getting suppressed. And then the other things that the pill does is it depletes your body of essential nutrients that are critical for reproduction. So you're looking at depleting CoQ10, depleting um, magnesium and zinc and selenium and a lot of your B vitamins. So the first thing I do when somebody's coming off birth control is like, you need to go on a B complex and and some nutrients to try and like
2: get your nutrients. B vitamins since most people can I think it's forty percent of people have MTH, FR. FR.
0: Yeah. So you want a methylated folate, methylated B12 for sure. Um, but then the issue comes in, of course, where, you know, I can teach the fertility awareness method which is you know teaching you to track your cycle you know your temperature looking at your cervical discharge and all this stuff and you know what you should expect week to week so that you know when you're ovulating when you're not when you're fertile when you're not women a lot of women think they're fertile every day they think you get pregnant every day that's not the case Mm -hmm. right there's really this short window of time it's different for men men could get a woman pregnant at any time uh but there's just such a lack of knowledge assuming they have access to all kinds of women of course <laughs> <laughs> in different parts of the cycle right, all the time that's right you know, every, day, a special every day every kind day of
2: man to be able to have that kind of luxury yes I'm just messing yes up. the um, real luxury is having one woman
0: amen to that <laughs> yeah. no judgment i'm just scoring browning no points for my
2: girlfriend as she's tuning into this no but i'm being serious oh yeah.
0: so and i love her too she's yeah. she's such a beautiful person um So when we get young women in our office, then we'll often have either mothers usually with them. And the first question they usually have is, well, what about birth control? Because I don't want her to get pregnant. And I can't trust that she's going to be tracking her cycle properly and all of this. 100%. You know, it's, it's busy everybody's busy especially teenagers being a young adult there's so much other stuff going on you you forget to track or you're out you know all night and that affects your temperature the next day like temperature charting is only going to work if you're consistent with it yeah um so then we have conversations about you know the best form of birth control which we can go down a whole avenue of that but in my mind if i can have somebody on fertility awareness method amazing if you can't, condoms would be my next choice, especially for somebody who's young, mm-hmm. right, and not trying to conceive. And with spermicide. A pardon.
2: With spermicide, like some condoms have, like um, no, a a gel that like kills sperm.
0: No. Are
2: you I, familiar with I, it? Or are you I, against yeah. it?
0: No, no, I'm against it. Oh, really? Okay, okay. I just <laughs> don't like the idea of any form of chemical yeah, going yeah, into yeah, the yeah, vagina, sure. um, or being on the penis. Like if you like like latex,
2: I mean latex isn't there
0: is latex free for sure. I mean latex is what it is. It's going to be your best option versus putting like a hormone in your body or a copper IUD, um, which we can, we can talk about as well, but, um, there's no perfect solution. And I think that what women need to understand is you need to just know all of your options Mm -hmm. and then decide what's best for you and your body. There have been times when I've had conversations with patients who have not wanted to come off birth control, but they have um, a a crazy amount of hormonal issues happening underlying that I can see. Mm -hmm. And we have conversations about, you know, taking time away from birth control and how to be safe during that time so that we can really establish what's going on. Mm Because you can't test your hormones when you're on birth control. So I'm never going to be able to get an understanding of what your body is actually doing, what your cycle actually looks like Mm -hmm. if you're on birth control. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we go off for a while until we get an understanding of what their body's actually doing and we can treat it properly. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they go back on. Yeah, but at least now they know
2: what works for them at a a baseline.
0: Well, that's it. And I I think it's uh, women are starting to, they want to know now, you know, and they've been like, I was on birth control for 10 years. I didn't know any different. Right. And, uh, um, I
2: mean, Parker, for example, she was on it for, for a few years mm-hmm. uh, before I met her and mm-hmm. then, uh, she got off of it and she didn't get her period for like a couple of years. Yeah. You know, she had some serious issues and that's what yes. got her interested in, you know, this science. That's and, right. Um, so
0: she had what's called post, uh, OCP syndrome. Post OCP. Yeah. So it's basically post birth control syndrome and likely all of her nutrients were depleted. So she couldn't properly. Pre- and it'll and take time for her. And then She went vegan. She
2: went vegan. And then she met me. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we got some blood testing. And uh, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I guess I don't want to go off the. Deep no, that's end OK. We can health, go there. But, that's fine. But I mean, she she was definitely deficient in a few vitamins and minerals. Yeah. And so she went from being vegan to like adding in like organ meats. OK. You know, Okay. Yeah, and that helped her a lot. But now so she's like back to like mostly plant-based. I'm going
0: to play devil's advocate yeah. there for a little bit. Okay. So I was vegan for 10 years. Um, my iron levels have always been low. Even as a child, I have something called thalassemia. And um, my doctors kept trying to tell me to eat meat, eat meat, eat meat. And... Well, what was that called? Thalassemia. Okay. It's have, a type have, of genetic anemia.
2: I have hemochromatosis, so I store oh, it. Oh, so you have too much. <laughs> I was so good. come on, <laughs> donate. But...
0: Um, What's interesting is that we're always taught, oh, you know, like increase iron-rich foods, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you are on a plant-based diet, you can absolutely keep your iron stores up, keep your B12 stores up, but you have to be very conscious of it, yeah. right? You can't just like carb load and expect to have all your nutrients. Um, you need to be conscious of leafy greens, of lentils, of mm-hmm. foods that are that will help with iron. Um, but B12, of course, is that one that you do have to supplement. You're not really going to find that in you know, vegan or plant-based diets. But what I have learned being a practitioner over the last, you know, decade is that any diet, whether it's vegan or keto or paleo um, or even um, carnivore diet, you can be deficient in many things. And it all depends on, like it could be unhealthy or unhealthy, right? You can have a healthy vegan and an unhealthy vegan. You can have a healthy person who's doing keto and an unhealthy person that's doing keto that's doing like fat bombs every day and eating yeah. bacon and, you know. So majority of my patients are not plant-based. I would say 95% are, they eat meat. All of them are iron deficient. All of them are B12 deficient. The,
2: the meat eaters are, yep. are deficient?
0: Yep. All of them are B12 deficient. Let me tell you why. um mostly what we're seeing now is this gut issue in people right like you like the amount of people that have gut health problems now is just exponent every single one of my Mm -hmm. patients I I could tell you maybe five that are like I poop every day and have warm stools and it's great and I have no Mm -hmm. bloating every single one of the other ones have issues and when you have gut health issues and there's a lot of inflammation, you're likely not absorbing your nutrients, right? Your stomach acid is probably low, you're not absorbing. So if somebody's coming to me and they're like, I eat tons of meat, why is my iron low or this Mm -hmm. and that? I begin to question their absorption, Mm -hmm. right? And then we look at vitamin D, oh, that's low too. We look at magnesium, oh, that's low too. So there's definitely this almost like epidemic of gut issues that Mm -hmm. are starting out. And that's because of, again, toxins in our environment, you know, pesticides in our food, eating poor quality you foods. Gut and then you're not Yeah, high sugar, all this, all this junk. We're not sleeping. There's so many different things involved. Um, women as well cycle every month. So mm. they're naturally losing blood every month. So it's hard for women to have higher stores. Mm. So I was vegan, like I said, for 10 years and very low energy. I, uh, but I was very conscious. I thought of getting in, you know, my iron, my nutrients and all of that started introducing some meat. Um, energy started going up, but I was also more active and having more like more grass-fed beef and uh, wild fish. And uh, so very conscious of, again, trying. To, I was trying to basically test and be like, let's see what my iron does. Mm-hmm. So it's been since January now. And so what are we at? Like 9, 10, 11 months. Um, and I would say in the last five months, we've started incorporating more and more animal products Mm -hmm. and so and i'm very healthy in general like i don't have gluten i don't do dairy ever unless it's like extremely all whole food all whole food based i don't have sugar in my diet i'm very clean um i went to get blood work done just as like a to see like just check on things my iron is lower than what it was when i was vegan so I think diet is important when it comes to nutrients, 100%. But we have to look at is. So then, I'm, what I'm doing now is I'm working on my gut because I'm like, there's got to be something here with my gut mm-hmm. where I'm not absorbing or I'm not like, um, you know what I mean, right? So yes, diet is always number one. But if you have to see if there's other stuff going on that's maybe stopping you from. This is why people mm-hmm. supplement forever and then like it does nothing. Mm-hmm right? Well, what are your supplements working? Is your liver detoxifying properly and allowing you to absorb nutrients? Right. So it's, it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, has she noticed her nutrients go up since? Yeah. But she's yeah. been
2: working with, you know, functional medicine, yeah. all, all kinds of people in, uh, since then. So yeah, yeah, she's, she's, she's good now, but good. it took us a lot of experimentation finding the right specialist. To That's get
0: there. it. That's it. Um, fasting is, uh, it's, it's, it's so hard because there's so many, you know, new diets that come out all the time. And this diet is the best and this one isn't anymore. And fasting is great. Fasting isn't great. You know, you hear so many different things. It's so individual, Mm -hmm. you know, and like you said, for women, your cycle, where you are in your cycle depends, how old you are depends. Um, Also, um, when it comes to men though, the adrenals, like if you are somebody who runs with higher cortisol if you have adrenal dysfunction you shouldn't be fasting Mm -hmm. you don't want to go even sometimes four hours without putting something in your body because then your blood sugar is going to tank and your Mm -hmm. adrenal glands are going to go with it Mm -hmm. you know so so you have to watch that um but it can be beneficial for some women, you know, especially if weight loss is there, if they, if we need to kind of work with that and work with insulin resistance and, and things. Um, so some women I do have fast, but the majority of the time we're, we're looking at a lot of like food timing and like what nutrients they are putting in. Um, so, yeah, it's.
2: Did you hear that? You're. Nit- you're... <laughs> Did you hear my stomach? No, I heard you. I'm you're... now. <laughs>
0: oh, you're hungry? <laughs> I mean. I told you you are going to be hungry. <laughs> uh, <right>.
2: no, but <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm I don't want to go into this
0: podcast hungry, so yeah. I'm eating. Um, but uh, I think it's recognizing. I think that some people force themselves to fast, but they actually really are hungry and they start to yeah. fade and they go into kind of like a, a low blood sugar state. Like if you're yeah. hangry, that's a sign that maybe your body's not ready for it. Or maybe you just need to like decrease that fasting window.
2: Yeah. You know, know, what I I realized was um, I like fasting. What I liked about fasting the most, this is after several years, actually, of experimenting with fasting, looking at blood work, Mm -hmm. uh, being intuitive, listening to my body, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, What I realized was that it's not the fasting per se that helps me get that flow and clearness, you know, clarity and, and productivity in the morning. It's more so being in a ketogenic state. Right. Or being in a blood glucose regulated state. Right. Um, so what I do now is I don't fast as much. Um, most of the time I actually eat within two hours of waking, uh, otherwise I, you know, in the past I'd wait four, five, six hours before eating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now it's like within the first couple hours. And what I do is I just have a glucose friendly meal. So like, yeah, like pretty much just protein and fat. Sometimes mm-hmm. a little bit of carbohydrate, like a little bit of honey maybe, but I'm pretty good about keeping the glucose levels low. And then I just stay, you know, my glucose is regulated. So I stay in that kind of like mm-hmm. uh, uh, really nice, stable energy and mental clarity zone. Um, then towards the middle of the day, after I've moved around a little bit, maybe gone on a, on a walk then some exercise, then I can introduce carbs. And because yeah. I'm so much more insulin sensitive, I can add this in and mm-hmm. I'm still glucose stable. Yeah. So that's the issue that I was having is, you know, before I was doing like, let's say protein, sorry, um, uh, oatmeal in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like giving me a big glucose spike um, and then a big glucose drop and Mm -hmm. then like feeling overwhelmed brain fog you know lazy whatever yeah so that's basically the happy medium that I found and you still actually uh, can elicit some of the benefits that you see with fasting because you're still getting that you know uh, uh, glucose to ketone switch to happen which is I'm going to spare the physiology lesson on all this stuff I can do another podcast on it but uh, that's kind of the happy medium that I found and so Um, My follow up question for you is, you know, how do you think most people can find a happy medium when it comes to a lot of these like health trends such Mm -hmm. as fasting or cold exposure or fasted training, you know, how do you think women and men can uh, pay better attention to their body when it comes to adding in these like hormetic stressors and turning that stress dial in their favor to make them more resilient? yeah healthier
0: i think number one is if you're going to be going into anything like a keto diet or um fasting and things like that get your adrenals under control first and how do you know if they're under control um usually like so signs to me if your adrenal glands are struggling is um usually they are people who live in i mean we all have stress and when i'm talking about getting cortisol under like stress under control as well it's like your perceived stress Mm -hmm. right because i do know people who thrive on stress and Mm -hmm. they sleep immaculately and they digest just fine and they don't have brain fog um but then there's some people who have what i would perceive as very little stress but to them it's like you know um, so there's certain hormonal conditions like PCOS, for example, that predispose women to cortisol dysfunction. They have a harder time metabolizing their cortisol. And they so they do tend to go through more high flexu- uh, cortisol states and then their adrenal glands will tank a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm looking for, I would say like 90% of people that come in a lot of their issues are driven by stress and mm-hmm. driven by the adrenal glands not functioning optimally. Poorly managed stress. That's right. And so um, if you are waking, feeling fatigued, like that's when your cortisol is highest. It's supposed to keep you alert and awake. Mm-hmm. If um, you're having a trouble falling asleep at night or you're waking at night, that's the sign to me that your cortisol is spiking at night when it mm-hmm. shouldn't be. It's supposed to be nice and low, keeping you asleep. Um, and if you have an afternoon slump in energy, so if you have that afternoon slump leading into your, in your, you know, your afternoon and you're like, I need to have that coffee to just kind of perk me up a bit. That's a sign that the adrenal glands are kind of like slowing and not really functioning as well. Um, lack of focus and concentration, brain fog. Um, if it's extreme where, you know, now you're, it's kind of like the adrenal glands are trying to pump out all this cortisol to keep you functioning all day long. Right, so that's like what I call like the the CEO type person. I was like, go, go, go all day, drinking coffee, go, Mm -hmm. go, go. So the adrenal glands are keeping up with you initially and they're pumping out cortisol and adrenaline to help you, you know, function. Uh, But then you usually crash at night, Mm -hmm. right? So like, I sleep great, it's because they're crashing. Mm -hmm. Um, But over time, the adrenal glands become tired and they can't do that anymore. Where it's telling, you, like basically your body's saying, go, go, produce all this cortisol because, you know, they have all this stress and, and we need the cortisol to help manage the stress. But the adrenal glands are going, I'm trying, but I can't. So um, so then you start seeing a lot of fatigue. You might mm-hmm. see anxiety, depression. So a lot of people are misdiagnosed with and anxiety and depression. Stimulants, yeah, which
2: then keeps you up, makes the problem That's worse. That's right. You get poor sleep. That's you need right. more caffeine the next day and yep. you're developing a tolerance for it. And yep. it's like this positive feedback loop, but in the wrong direction yep. of like, you know, yes. really working against you.
0: And I see this, especially in women um, after their ovulation period too, when we are more susceptible to stress because then mm-hmm. it's it kind of worsens the issue. And now we're seeing a lot of young moms with a ton of irritability, rage, mm-hmm. you know, they're not feeling, I went through this. I went through this postpartum myself um, of just a year of not feeling like myself Going in the last half of my cycle, going into almost like this uh, rage state or being so extremely irritable that I was like, lashing out on everyone it wasn't fair to them but it was mm. I, could, I felt like it was out of my control and i knew that my adrenal glands were just mm-hmm. they were tanked and so um definitely like recognize you can test your cortisol of course your morning afternoon cortisol you could do salivary cortisol test which is probably the best in, ter- in my opinion in terms really, of finding it's out very accessible too yeah, yeah very accessible and it can give you just a really good idea of what your cortisol is doing over the course of 24 hours mm. cortisol awakening response is another one um. So once we know what the adrenals are doing, we can get them regulated. But um, in terms of finding out what diet is right for you, if you should do cold plunging, all these things, it's funny because a lot of the stuff in the longevity space that might say increase our longevity um, or research is showing to you might not be the best for fertility. mm Okay. Sometimes they are like NMN, NAD plus precursors, CoQ10, all those things that activate mitochondria, help reduce um, oxidative stress. Amazing for fertility, amazing for longevity. But would I tell, um, say a male who is working out constantly and doing tons of cold plunges to do cold plunges? Probably not. Because what we want is those testes to actually remain a, a specific temperature, and um, we also don't want um, to be cutting inflammation right after a workout. Right? If you have yeah. general inflammation, cold plunging is great, but not right after a workout. Like if your goal yeah, is unless to build you're like an muscle,
2: athlete, you need to have back to back competitions. You need to diminish the inflammation. So that's you have right. better that range of motion, but that's most right. people should not be doing it afterwards because yeah, the heat component of exercise alone mm-hmm. helps drive hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. There's heat shock proteins. There's A lot of things that happen that are related to that kind of heat response that promote hypertrophy. And so I always say like, you know, me and a lot of physiologists and people like Huberman even like suggesting that cold exposure is best pre-workout or on days that you don't have activity. Heat exposure is actually better post-workout like sauna, steam room. That's right. To increase the heat shock proteins and Mm -hmm. promote that, you know, inflammatory drive, blood flow, et cetera.
0: Yeah. For women... What do you um, think about...
2: Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I... You know, you mentioned how like the the cold plunge um, might not be good for the testes, but I know actually another naturopath, mm-hmm. um, Lucas Aoun, mm-hmm. who's a big fan of icing the balls because he thinks, and so, well, he the research he's looked at is like, um, you know, most men nowadays. We actually put too much heat on our yes. balls, you know, well, through yes. compression yeah. underwear. So I see where he's going you know, with that. Different yep. materials. We're sitting in a car with the seat warmer. That's right. You put your laptop, uh, laptop, right phone, on you, right, phone, right? Yeah. So like yes. he said that the the tetis are actually external to keep them cooler. They're supposed yes. to be like one or two degrees cooler than the rest of your body. Yes. But in this modern world, it's not the case. So he actually is a huge 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 proponent of icing the balls, icing the balls. <laughs> like it's like so, a I huge mean, thing if
0: you did it once in a while sure but let me um
2: every morning i take a cold shower and i get a lot of time for water to go directly in that area yeah. for that reason so let's yeah. think about because of his physiology
0: word. for a second okay so if you're putting ice on your testicles or if you're submersing yourself in a cold plunge what's happening to blood vessels yeah they're constricting they're constricting yeah. right so if so now, again, this depends, again, on a man's certain concerns. But okay. if a lot of men's fertility issues are usually because of something called a varicocele. Yeah. Right?
2: They have reduced blood flow.
0: So they ha- already have reduced blood flow. By the
2: way, I had the varicocele, full disclosure. So oh. I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, have yeah. you
0: since had it resolved?
2: It's a long story. But okay. I got it. Oh, my gosh. You just opened up a whole can of worms. That's funny. Because <laughs> can of worms, they describe it as like a wormy, you know, whatever. No pun intended. Yeah. No pun intended there. <laughs> But uh, it's actually extremely common. seals are extremely common. And I had a large varicocele. Um I went to this doctor and got it checked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had a procedure done. Uh, varicoselectomy. Okay. So they go up in here. Yep. And they kind of go yep. in and they, I honestly wish I hadn't done this. I wish I had taken a more natural approach. It's okay. Because there's only one side that was affected. Typically, it's the left side. Mm-hmm. And they went in and they cut both of like the blood vessels, I think. Yeah. I forget what it is. They cut both. They did both just in case. Mm-hmm. They did both sides. I actually got so mad. I almost sued these people mm. because they went in. I had, I had, you know, for months planned the surgery. And we knew it was going to be just the left side, just the left side, just the left side. But once I was actually in the operating room. They did both? And I was, no, I was in the operating room. There's like five nurses around me. There's two doctors. There's like all this stuff going on. They're injecting stuff. Like I'm in the operating room. They brought this paper out. They're like, oh, just sign the thing. sign the paper. Like real quick, just sign the paper. Sign the paper, Just sign the paper. And I signed the paper. And I'm like, okay, yeah, like the surgery. I'll sign the paper. And they, they were like rushing me, like rushing, rushing me. And then I didn't I, I didn't realize until later that the paper said something about uh, bilateral whatever. And they did both sides. I woke up and I had two scars. I was so, and they charged me double. You don't understand how <laughs> oh uh, how furious yeah. my whole family became. Yeah, of course. So I'm not going to name oh, names here, awful. but uh, actually like, a local doctor. Yeah. And he, I'm actually, this happened a couple years ago, but I, you know what the worst part is? The reason why i bring this up the story, the worst part is that the varicocele came right back.
0: Of course it did.
2: It never helped. The, the whole thing didn't even help. Mm-hmm.
0: So let and me now that it's what. been,
2: it's been long <laughs> enough now where I know that the procedures didn't help because sometimes it takes yeah. a few months for it to kick in or whatever, yeah. but now I'm actually going to send a formal complaint to the board of, you know, medicine, yeah. the medical board to, 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 yeah, you know, cause apparently he's done this to a lot of people.
0: Yeah. So. And that's just, that's a lack of informed consent. Like even yeah. though like, well, I have his consent, it's like, well, it wasn't informed, you know? Yeah. And, um, that's, I mean, we'll talk about that after for sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's really unfortunate. And um, the, so like a varicocele, I mean, the first line of treatment usually is to have it, you know, removed if, if somebody is going through fertility stuff, for example. I had no fertility issues, no, by the way. But how did you find yeah. out you had it? You felt it?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's visible. Felt yeah. It. Like
0: you felt it. So now it's yeah. back. Like I
2: got a, I got a uh, sperm quality test done mm-hmm. and it's like 800 million sperm count. So really so high? Like super high. What the was the motility? Was great. I forget, but it was everything was great. Like okay. I actually made a joke. He's like, oh, man. I was going to college at that time. He's like, oh, yeah. you should wear two condoms. I was like, oh, jeez. Oh, so like, <laughs> but but uh, he was like, yeah, you know, there's no issues, whatever. But I just didn't like it. I didn't like yeah. having it there. And so yeah. a couple of years later, I made the decision. Um, but I regret making the decision because it didn't even help. Right. And especially not That's under okay. his I mean, care supervision.
0: You did... you know what you could with the information you had at the time so you can't regret it now it's just about moving forward no no but it came back because the root of the issue wasn't addressed right there's obviously like a lack of blood flow happening so the question is why right what can you do now to increase the blood from like l carnitine i mean i I do
2: like red light therapy every day yeah red and infrared every day Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so
0: So, and then the question becomes, okay, so, so sperm analysis looks good now. What will it look like in 10 years? Yeah. Right. What would it look like in five years if the varicoseal isn't addressed? So these are conversations that I have with people. And then I, I would question, you know, if you have a varicoseal there, could there be potential arteries that are blocking elsewhere or can we, like, Mm. why do you have this predisposition to these varicose veins, right? Like mm-hmm. you, like the, always, the question is always why? And that's what we try to figure out. And it's something to be like concerned about or like, oh my God, or like, you yeah. know. Um, I think that you've since then probably done so much in terms of lifestyle changes, in terms of nitric oxide and, you know, mm-hmm. um, getting, you know, like a heart cardiovascular health and all of that, mm-hmm. which is exactly where you wanna go when you have uh, a seal. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that actually help with cardiovascular health help with men's fertility too yeah so because of that
2: it's interesting i also had uh um wolf parkinson white syndrome i had tachycardia oh yeah and i got mm-hmm. that uh i got it what's it called um an embolized no um like an, embolized? an ablation, an ablation oh, done. yeah yeah um yeah so i don't know if those two things are related or potentially what. yeah
0: potentially yeah. oh okay so we're gonna have to have a yeah. little consultation after <laughs> yeah, yeah but uh, i mean it's good that you know you're talking about it because i'm sure a lot of your viewers like maybe i'm dealing with the same thing Well, or- I just, I,
2: honestly the reason why I'm being open is just to get men to check themselves out and to take yeah. this seriously because yeah. this could have affected my yeah k- future kids you know for like- sure and so, to be honest,
0: and let's be honest, men are touching their balls every day. Men
2: are touching their balls every day. <laughs> so I all, mean, wait, if something wait, all, feels, day all day long.
0: <laughs> so uh, if anything yeah. feels different, out of the ordinary, if anything's new, like yeah. absolutely get it checked out. Don't ignore it. I know somebody that ignored it because they were just too scared. Yeah. You know, I think it was an ego thing, and they're like, "Ah, oh, it's fine," and they were just too scared to get it checked out, and then it turned out to be something that you know. Yeah. So we shouldn't ignore anything, and I think that people really just need to start listening to their bodies because our bodies really are telling us every day what it needs. And it could be something as simple as you need to drink water. You need to go take a break and go to the washroom and we ignore it. I don't know how many hours I sit there with patients and I've had to like literally pee for five hours and I just don't go. And then I'm running thereafter. And, uh, so stressful building up all that nitrogen. Oh Uh, my God. But it's like (laughs) you're back to back and you're just like, go, 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 go. Obviously not ideal long term. Um, but you know, when we start listening, then your body will start to respond. You know, a lot of people who go through fertility stuff or even in the longevity space, um, they're not listening until we get them to listen and they go, Oh, I didn't realize that my, constipation that i've had for five six years is contributing to this
2: you You know know? you know what's interesting about longevity i I definitely want us to make the transition but a great transition to longevity with fertility is Mm. the idea that longevity isn't just happening here in our lifespan like our longevity is in our dna Mm -hmm. right fertility is the longevity of our dna Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, maybe you'll have a long, healthy life, but you having a long, healthy life means that your offspring will likely have a long, healthy life That's because right. of the environment that you're surrounding yourself with, the, the toxins that you are not, you know, encountering and That's it. Uh, the steps that you're taking to make sure that you're, as soon as, the, even before the baby's born, it already has better odds of survival mm-hmm. in this, you know, new That's life, it. in this new world. So, so longevity isn't just limited to us, it's limited to our... DNA and our DNA yeah. has the potential to go yeah. millions and billions of years in the future. Um, it,
0: well, it's interesting you say that. You know, you know, kids born today are are you know they have such a a long life and, and all this now. Um, but what we're actually starting to see is that sometimes parents are even outliving children more yeah. and more and more and more. And I feel like like even now we're seeing oh, what is it like one in fifteen. Like it, it's like the 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 stats on, you know, the, the autism rates and ADHD mm-hmm. rates and all this stuff that we're seeing now is just exponential since mm-hmm. the introduction of pesticides in our environment.
2: And blue light and blue light electricity
0: else. and toxins. Yeah. And um, so no longer is it just, you know half the genes from the mom and half the genes from the dad. And that's what makes the baby. It's yes, the genes are there, but those genes have been shifted, you know, in terms of their expression as, and you know, is just because so of their environment. Toxic. Yeah. Um, toxins are being passed down in the womb. Um, heavy metals are being passed down. Nutrients are being passed down. So genetics are a part of it. And that will, you know, if, say if you have a family, Like a a bloodline that's oh they live forever then yeah potentially you will as well because that those genes are there um but more importantly are those epigenetics right Mm -hmm. it's the what like what what is the health of that dna look like Mm -hmm. right
2: and then um as far as uh i mean if you look at longevity and fertility and like the quality of life component you know the quality of life rewards you with fertility and rewards you with longevity Mm -hmm. i always say lifespan or longevity isn't about living for the sake of more moments I mean everybody wants to live longer but longevity is what you get by really honing in on the quality of the present moment yes you know so I think that if you can hone in on the quality of your daily life mm-hmm. then you're boosting your fertility and by mm-hmm. definition similarly um, you're boosting your longevity that's right and not just within your lifespan but the longevity of your uh well your dna being here on this planet
0: yeah and you're so you're also kind of touching on the difference between like health span versus lifespan yeah yeah exactly right yeah it's like i i would rather live a shorter life that's you know healthy and fruitful and happy versus a longer life that i'm i'm sick and i'm tired and i'm irritable and i don't like to be around anyone and i'm depressed Mm -hmm. and you know so there is a big difference that people need to understand for sure
2: Yeah. yeah and actually i have some questions about um So, for the folks that have had some trouble uh, getting pregnant, Mm -hmm. what are some, let's say, what are some checklist items that you have to take someone through to ensure that um, they're taking care of themselves? You know, what are some things that everyone has to do when they're having pregnancy issues?
0: Yeah. So, first and foremost, when we do a consultation, I'm going in detail, you know, trying to find out as much as possible about their lifestyle. You know, we're talking about perceived stress and how to manage stress and cortisol. We're talking about their new daily nutrition and, you know, how many, how much nutrients they're getting in. We look at nutri- nutrient status, their water intake. So making sure you're getting in adequate water for your size, adequate protein, um, get, removing foods. Like a big part of what I do with nutrition is removing foods that generally drive inflammation. Anytime we see fertility concerns, I know there is fertility issues or sorry, I know there's um, inflammation issues. So the question is, where is the inflammation coming from? What's driving it? But in the meantime, let's remove the things that will naturally drive inflammation. For example, Mm -hmm. sugar, processed foods, um, seed oils. Uh, Gluten is usually one that I do take out. Also because gluten drives autoimmunity and autoimmunity will uh, usually be, for some people, uh, cause fertility concerns. Um, One food that... Um, this is going to be very controversial. <laughs> this is very controversial among other naturopaths raw that liver. I work with. No, I don't I don't do raw liver. But in terms of fertility, what I'm saying is um, eggs. So most of the research out there says that eggs are one of the fertility superfoods, right? Because they're high in choline. Mm-hmm. Um, and B vitamins. Which, and yeah, and protein. I get, which I get. But... A lot of the, the research that I've done and with working with my patients, um, I'm starting to look into viral causes of endometriosis and PCOS and other reproductive conditions. One of those viruses being Epstein-Barr virus. Epstein-Barr virus is a hacker, like uh, in a bad way when it comes to the mitochondria of the egg cell.
2: Not a biohacker. Right? It's a hacker. Nope, <laughs> it's a hacker. Like
0: it's, it's yeah. hacking it. It's, um, So when Epstein-Barr virus, Epstein-Barr virus, I would say is probably like, there's probably some form of the virus in like 90 to 95% of the population, but like any virus remains dormant in our bodies and then becomes reactivated under times of stress. And it'll remain dormant in different people's tissues. For some people, it remains dormant in the reproductive organs. And so there is a link now where we're seeing more research coming out about the link between Epstein-Barr virus and endometriosis or uh, PCOS, which we know are huge reproductive issues when it comes to fertility um when it comes to removing virus from someone i have to think about what's feeding it okay so again this is <laughs> it's gonna be controversial um but let's kind of like step away from science for a second and think about logically let's say something,
2: uh just proactively and preventatively we might get canceled for this. No,
0: no, we <laughs> won't, we will, we will. We'll be fine. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see the, the comments. Sure. But um, let's put science aside for a second because we know even research changes and science changes constantly, right? One supplement is good for you one week and then in two years it isn't and whatever. So we're just doing the best we can with the knowledge we have. But let's think of actually like logic and, you know, uh, so when you have a live vaccine, what do they put in it to keep the, the virus alive
2: in a live vaccine they
0: mm-hmm. put egg protein okay okay so then if we start kind of going down the rabbit hole a little bit and thinking well if eggs are keeping a virus alive and i'm trying to starve this virus out of their bodies then logically i shouldn't be giving them eggs okay. you following yeah i'm following yeah for yeah. sure so I have been now for probably about five years removing eggs from a lot of my fertility patients' diets. Um, if it's uh, definitely, if there's endometriosis and PCOS, those are two of those are foods that I remove. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see the comments on that one. Um I'm trying to remember your original question. Oh, right. So what would you have people do? So on so from a nutrition perspective, it's about, of course, making sure you're getting in enough protein, healthy carbohydrates, healthy fats. How much
2: is enough protein?
0: I go about one, um, what is it?
2: One gram per pound. One
0: gram per pound, yeah. Of body weight. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. always pairing your carbohydrates with the protein so that you're not carb loading mm-hmm. too much. But I don't want people to go carbohydrate free. Mm-hmm. Healthy carbohydrates like that glucose is essential for brain development in the fetus. It's essential for reproduction. So we never want to go like fat free or carbohydrate free, nothing like that. I want people to keep in the foods that they love. It's just about like, let's take out foods that might be driving inflammation
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know, up the foods that are gonna be more nutritive to the womb, nutritive to sperm, nutritive to the egg um, healthy fats are huge, right? Like when you think of the phospholipids and, uh, so omega-3s, omega-6s in balance, of course, are going to be essential for the mitochondria. So a lot of what I do is working on the mitochondria with my, with my patients. And, um, I'll go into that in a second, because I want to I want to finish the first the question I want to answer the question you had. Uh, activity is another one. So obviously, if you're sitting all day, you're not getting any blood flow to the pelvic region, and we're all about trying to like increase blood flow, get new blood flow in. So you're bringing oxygen, nutrients to the womb, to the penis, to um, the ovaries. And uh, removing kind of like old stagnant blood in women as well. So a lot of women, for example, will have brown spotting before or after their period comes. That brown spotting is a sign to me of hormonal deficiencies, but also the fact that their entire lining is not shedding every month. Mm-hmm. And so there's an old, kind of stagnant blood that's been sitting there. So, lack of blood flow. So, um, I developed a fertility massage that you can find on YouTube. I could put the link in under your show notes. But, um, and this massage is really good at getting the old blood flow out, getting fresh or kind of get the old blood out, fresh blood flow in. It also breaks up adhesions that might be within the pelvis or um, or other things that are kind of like, even like a tilted uterus or a uterus that might be, um, have a septum or different structural anomalies. The massage can be really good at kind of like moving all those reproductive tissues and detoxifying the uterus. So um, those are kind of like the basics, right? So nutrition, exercise, water intake, um, you know movement and all of that then we go into the specifics in terms of like what is going on with them and then you know tailoring supplement protocols or uh, potentially other treatments depending on what comes up in results but i feel like for most of my my clients one thing i work on a hundred percent is going to be egg quality right so not the egg you're eating
2: Nope, <laughs> you're producing. the egg you're producing
0: or <laughs> sperm quality, just making sure that the right. quality is there even while we're investigating like other things. That's the main
2: KPI, the main key performance indicator of your mm-hmm. health in your space is how's the sperm doing? Yes. And then tailor so, lifestyle around that.
0: Yeah. And I have developed now two online programs, one specifically for sperm health, one specifically for egg quality. And um, these can be done by people who are struggling with fertility or even not. Uh, I oftentimes have people do them just if, and if if they're in their 30s and thinking about conceiving in the next few years, um, they'll get on the program and just mm-hmm. start learning about um, how their eggs and their sperm are affected by their outward environment and mm-hmm. what could be contributing to more oxidative stress and therefore more damage to mm-hmm. the cell. Uh, and then how to reverse it or stop damage in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we think of longevity and age, right? So uh, I get this question a lot of, well, I'm over 35. Should I be panicking about my egg quality? I'm I'm over 40. Am I going to have to do IVF? You know, there's a lot of panic over age because as we age, um, IVF, IVF is, uh, do you know what IVF is? So it's uh, when you know couples would go in and they would remove um, the egg from the female, they take the sperm from the man and they put them together, create an embryo in a lab, and then they would implant the embryo back in into- In vitro fertility. Yes. Yes. Sorry, I should have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you would have known. Context clues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, but I can tell you I've had young women the age of 28 have um, complete ovarian failure, meaning that- their egg quality, like their reserve is almost at zero. Their, their estrogen's in the toilet. Their LH, FSH, all their hormones are in the toilet. And then I've had women who are 45 have amazing eggs, amazing um, quality, get pregnant like this. And so age is a factor, but more so, it's not. Um, we know women are born with all the eggs we're ever going to have. And every time that we have a, a menstrual cycle, every time we ovulate, we lose a certain portion of those eggs. So maybe like 10 to 14, right?
2: How many do you have typically?
0: Oh, gosh. So we're born with a few million. By the time you reach uh, puberty, you're down to, oh God, you're testing me now. I haven't looked at these numbers in a while. You're down to like a few hundred thousand. Like it really, really drops by the time you hit fertility. Mm -hmm. And then even by, you know, the time you're like 35, it's in half again. Like it it just declines Mm -hmm. over time. Once you reach the age of 35 in both men and women, we see egg numbers begin to like tank even more dramatically. And that's because our DHEA, so our hormone DHEA drops significantly. DHEA is what we call a pro-hormone. It produces your testosterone and your estrogen. So that will naturally decline. So oftentimes we actually give patients DHEA to increase um, the amount of eggs that they get every time that, Mm -hmm. uh, or amount of follicles, every time they go in through a cycle. Um, And, you know, so as the eggs begin to age, then, of course, quality will begin to naturally decline. So we need to hit it harder when we're older. Mm -hmm. But you should start younger because there's other factors that will diminish egg quality early. Like this 28-year-old woman, I'm thinking, what happened? Mm -hmm. You know, and so we're going, do you have endometriosis? Do you have PCOS? Do you have a thyroid condition? Is there... Heavy metal exposure, you know. So we went through all the things there, um, and uh, we did find out what it was, and we were able to reverse it. And that's something that in the medical field has been shown to, like, oh, you can't reverse ovarian. That's and, like
2: endometriosis no endometriosis
0: and um, no um, premature ovarian failure, hmm. right? We're told that oh, we can't reverse it. That your eggs are like your eggs are where they are. You know, mm-hmm. you can't do anything so about can't it. You
2: can reverse
0: it. Well, I did it in my practice not to say that i'm like a miracle worker but it, it just took to finding out what was causing it because it was very interesting it just happened really quickly she was a patient of mine for a couple of years her hormones always looked good periods always looked good and then all of a sudden it was like right mm-hmm. and so once we found out what the issue was we corrected the issue and then her eggs were be able to get the nutrients that they needed the phospholipid membrane of the mitochondria became stronger And um, she was able to conceive on her own. And prior to this, she had gone through four rounds of failed IVF, cancelling her cycles over and over again because she wasn't getting enough follicles. Mm -hmm. So you have to get like a certain amount of follicles for them to retrieve or else they're not going to get a number, like uh, enough eggs. Like it's not worth going through Mm -hmm. the whole treatment uh, or the whole uh, protocol. So... Um, she was we were getting her prepared for another cycle. And then she called me and she's like, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. I literally fell off my chair because even in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be like impossible. Mm-hmm. right? Because we're always told, you know, this is impossible. You know, once it's like this, this is the way it is. But we have to remember that science is so limited. Right. And so this is where I say sometimes you have to take off the science hat and you have to think about things logically. And just um, a lot of what I do. And I was telling you this prior to, to shooting today is I, I'm intu- like, I do a lot of intuitive work. So even when a client is talking to me, I can feel certain energies in different parts of their body. And I could sometimes just know, be like, no, nope, this has nothing to do with that. I think it has more to do with this. Mm-hmm. And then we, we attack that a- approach. And um, even when it comes to testing, I, I don't test everyone. Like sometimes I'm just like, let's do this and let's see what happens. And then they'll, get pregnant and it's just so so sometimes it's about just realigning or some a little shift in lifestyle it could be a nutrient deficiency Mm -hmm. you know so sometimes you don't have to go through all this testing Mm -hmm. in order to figure it out
2: right Mm -hmm. and what are your thoughts on like the um the xenoestrogens and uh let's say like emf you know Mm -hmm. I'm a, b- I'm a big fan of Dr. Ashana Swan yep. uh, in her book Countdown, mm-hmm. all about the declining, you know, sperm and mm-hmm. testosterone. Yep. Um, I'm actually wearing this is a surprise I had for you. Oh
1: God! I'm what are wearing, you wearing?
2: Drum roll, please.
1: <laughs>
2: this red underwear <laughs> is EMF proof underwear. That's
0: unreal. It's by
2: Lambs. And, That's great. Uh, it's like silver. You know, yes. fibers in it. Yes, and it's interesting because um, I have to go with red. You know, that's well, number one. It's, it's, you know, of that course. was kind of funny, but anyway, um, I wear it in the airport because the airport is like probably where mm-hmm. you're going to get the most EMF. You're on a plane, mm-hmm. you're in the airport, all this electromagnetic, mm-hmm. you know, frequency, whatever. Yeah, um,
0: and even your phone. Yeah, and your exactly your phone too. So, and-
2: but when I wear this in the airport, and I have to go through the metal detector they oh, always you know the ones where you have to put your hands up yeah and so they can see where on your body you might have something that you yeah know, stands out every time i go into one of those there's a big yellow square <laughs> on my penis and so what happens is this big buff tsa guy has to go oh pat me God, down no. every single time yeah my girlfriend thinks i secretly enjoy it and that's why i wear <laughs> it no, just kidding but um <laughs> no, but I I always tell them I'm like yeah, there's silver embedded in my underwear, you know the EMF, and they're just like, dude, just just go, just like take your stuff, whatever, yeah. you know. But anyway, I'm very serious about the xenoestrogens, the yeah. EMF. So like even my my bed, for example, I mean I don't my I have an avocado mattress, it's like made of natural fibers. I have like all cotton, you know, all yeah. is polyester free. I don't wear. I used to, you know, I was into... I mean, I'm into fitness. I yeah. I, Think about all the fitness, you know, attire that it's made with polyester. Mm-hmm. You know, you're putting it on your on your private area, and then you've got the the, the pants. Like everything is polyester, and so not only does it compress and, and reduce the blood flow, but it also this is xenoestrogen. You know, estrogen. So anyway, yeah. the, the the my mattress, my clothes, I've gone totally polyester free. I have an air purifier in my room. Um, I actually sleep my my bed between the Uh, mattress pad and the mattress itself I have a ultimate longevity it's called ultimate longevity uh, grounding mat yeah so I'm grounded no polyester no whatever and I think I'm doing a pretty good job yeah but I know that this stuff is everywhere it's everywhere yeah so what are your thoughts on and and what have you seen in the research and the literature as far Mm. as how this actually influences sperm quality
0: yeah you know what there's more and more research coming out all the time and even um on forever forever chemicals right like pfas and Mm -hmm. i actually just um i wrote a blog post about that recently there's more research on uh, men's fertility i think i posted this literally yesterday really on my um on my instagram and uh these idea of forever chemicals and
2: yeah i think i did see that on your instagram story yeah
0: and decreasing sperm quality and motility yeah and um xenoestrogens are everywhere it's yeah. insane because we're
2: also eating the microplastics that have them. Micro-plastics, so they're like in our body yeah yep yeah.
0: yeah. and in our um, water
2: everything yeah
0: every shampoo like yeah. i if i'm staying at a hotel and i parabens the parabens that's right, right parabens fragrance be careful of fragrance yeah. because it might say um phthalate free but mm-hmm. fragrance is also always put in and fragrance usually is phthalate so you got to be mm-hmm. kind of careful with that and so there are definitely like cleaner products you can choose that don't have these um And for anybody who don't know what xenoestrogens are, essentially they're estrogen-mimicking chemicals that we're putting in our body that are binding. Estrogen-mimicking chemicals that are binding to our estrogens, right? And then they they affect how we um, perceive our body in terms of like, okay, do we have too much estrogen? Do we have not Mm. enough estrogen? And then, um, so our body thinks it's our own estrogen, but it isn't. And so this is where there's tons of uh, research now linking xenoestrogens to endometriosis. So to all those estrogen-dominant conditions, right? So we're seeing more women with estrogen-dominant cycles, meaning painful periods, more PMS. Um, We're seeing more tender breasts and uh, fibrocystic breasts, fibroids. And in men, um, we are particularly seeing testosterone begin to drop Mm -hmm. and more and more seeing this. And um, there was even a study I saw once where in the in water, we were seeing a lot more estrogen because women were urinating out their pills, mm-hmm. right? Like they're on OCPS, and then it's going in the urine, and then mm-hmm. it's getting into the water, and then men are drinking the water. I can't. I gotta find that study. That was actually a few years ago when I saw that one, and it was affecting the fish.
2: Yeah, and and the fish started changing sex. That's
0: it. They they were like, why are all the fish turning female? Yeah, <laughs> and so.
2: That's another epidemic is men are turning female. I mean, not to say the, the gender, whatever, but. Yeah. And, and this like is something just, that I can actually get canceled for, but <laughs> it, what, I, what, I actually int- what I actually intend to say is a lot of men are becoming like androgynous mm-hmm. because of the environment that they're in. Mm-hmm. You know, they ha- there the, 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 the xenoestrogens. There's terrible sleep. Yeah. You know, you don't get to support your testosterone. Yep. And so you naturally will Yeah. be coming away literally like physiologically more mm-hmm. feminine.
0: Um, yeah. So. And it's not even affecting just like it's affecting so many things because estrogen affects so many things, right? Estrogen yeah. affects the, your sleep, um, your microbiome, everything like that. Like, um, so we somebody asked me the other day or, or they said, oh yeah, so, um, periods normally start for girls between, you know, age 13, 16. I'm like, no, it used to be that way, but now we're seeing young girls have periods at the age of eight nine 10 years old and oh. so it's happening earlier and earlier and because this the is because of the, estrogens, you know, estrogens in yeah. our environment our and body takes so, us
2: under that in, that in that stage of their life cycle already and so
0: yeah yeah so it's a big problem it's a big conversation that i do have with my patients that for sure you know i'm not expecting them to go change out every single product they're putting on their body or eating with right away but um but we start kind of weaning it out and animal products being a one of them where I'm like, you absolutely, if you're have, having animal products, it's gotta be hormone free, antibiotic free. Like mm-hmm. if you were trying to like balance your own hormones, don't go putting excess hormones in from like your foods. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so we have big conversations around that.
2: Yeah. So it's yeah. like there's hormones in our food, there's microplastics in our food and our water mm-hmm. and our shampoo and our other beauty products. Yeah. When we put fragrances on to smell better, that stuff's also littered with xenoestrogens. We're yeah. wearing clothes that have the polyesters, and especially in our private areas, you know, that's compressing the blood flow, so your body can't even effectively, I would say, deal with or filter mm-hmm. that out or clean it out. It's like yeah. reduction in blood flow, reduction in oxygen, yeah. and you just have this these xenoestrogens. Yeah. And I mean, there's like so many of these things, right? And then the you know, the poor sleep and the poor diet. Yeah. It's like. Like where, it's no how can wonder. You, yeah, you, it's how, you no, can't of course. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, we
0: live in an environment, unfortunately, that doesn't favor fertility, which is why we are seeing, like, infertility on the rise, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think there are, like, one in six couples have fertility issues. And we often think, well, it's and the rest mainly are on a spectrum.
2: issue. <laughs> you know, the rest are, like... The rest is, like, maybe... maybe you're not maybe? getting pregnant, but you're still, you know... Right. Your, your baby can have higher incidence of ADHD, mm-hmm. autism, you know, whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's not, like, it's no fault of... Of the mother or the father, right? right. It, it's, um, but the idea here is that if we can control some of these factors, there's some things that are out of our control for sure, mm-hmm. right? Like we can't, when it comes to um, the sperm and the egg and their DNA, we can't necessarily change the actual chromosomes yet, right? Yet, <laughs> but we can we can alter, you know, what's happening around them and how mm. those um, chromosomes are being shifted and um, and expressed and. Um, it comes down to the mitochondria, right? All the factors that you just listed here, the sleep, the food, the microplastics, the PFAs, everything all are detrimental to the mitochondria. The -hmm. mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, right? So it's, what's driving DNA production and energy metabolism. And it also gets rid of, you know, reactive oxidative species, all of that. And uh, so each one of our cells has about 1,000 to 2,000 mitochondria. The egg cell has hundreds of thousands. Wow. It has the most mitochondria than any other cell.
2: I I touched upon this briefly on one of my latest podcasts with a woman. I think her name is Dr. Emily Werner. She works for Timeline Nutrition. They have Mm -hmm. a product called MitoPure. Yeah. And it's got the urolithin A that she's, you know, she, she... that was a fascinating podcast, and I've been taking the Erolithene. I feel a little more energized, actually, more clear mm-hmm. since I started taking it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't believe in it, by the way. It was like I think I honestly no ciboed myself <laughs> out of like more benefit potentially. Like that's how I like I was
0: right. Like you were skeptical. I was very
2: skeptical. Yeah, but um. Yeah. Anyway, that we spoke a little bit about how it can influence reproductive health because there's these concentrations of mitochondria in areas that are, I mm-hmm. guess, the most relatively the most important. Right? Like well, the they heart. need the most energy. They need the most energy, yeah. that, and, and and yeah, I guess for the sake of like reproduction and and safety and survival, they're the most important. You know, so it's like the brain, the heart, and like the the reproductive system. Yeah. Um. So the thing that's worth exploring is like more research on urolithin A and, and other yes. nutrients that are just tough to get in these modern environments That's right. that our bodies need to thrive. You That's know? right.
0: We are, there's more and more research coming out about like NAD plus precursors now. So NMN, you're yeah, starting NR, to see NMN, a lot of, yeah. um, which we are exploring now in fertility. So, um, I definitely have, um, we talk about NAD plus precursors with my patients. And what we've seen is that when it goes up to egg retrieval, we're seeing, um, healthier eggs we're seeing more eggs mm-hmm. that are retrieved so we know that it's impacting the mitochondria of the egg cells and helping with the longevity of the eggs mm-hmm. um coq10 and pqq being another one mm, yeah other ones. symbiotica
2: actually it makes um an incredible i think it's a blend of coq10 pqq And something else I forget, but they sent me something. There's
0: a lot of blends like out there for mitochondrial support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a a pretty cool one. And then they'll even have, um, you know, alpha lipoic acid or they'll have your B vitamins, selenium, zinc, all those nutrients that are essential for mitochondrial health. And so in the longevity space, which I know you're in a lot, where you talk about the mitochondria and how that can like lengthen, you know, lifespan or health Mm -hmm. span. It's the same thing when it comes to the eggs and the sperm because they're also a cell. Mm -hmm. right so one day we'll get to change the actual (laughs) genes but um but the fact of the matter is is you get half half the dna from dad half the dna from mom Mm -hmm. but what we can change is all that those um the inflammation and the oxidative stress around that dna and we can see for example um a man coming with say a high dna fragmentation rate remember we talked about that Mm -hmm. with sperm testing um have a very high um, DNA fragmentation to six months later, having a very low DNA fragmentation by just changing lifestyle factors.
2: Meaning the DNA is intact.
0: It's, it doesn't have as many nicks and and stuff in it. So in that respect, we are seeing that, okay, we can shift the quality of the DNA. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify that in case people were confused about what do you mean you can change your DNA or, or this? And um, so it's really interesting, the new re- new research that is coming out. And uh, so my focus has been really into that lately and like getting chemicals and toxins out. That's actually a number one thing I, I do with every single one of my patients is detox. Mm-hmm. Every single one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because even to give your body if, a fighting chance. Like your body has a certain kind of wisdom and intelligence that it wants to heal itself. Yeah. And, and, and to have a fighting chance, you need to detoxify because yeah. there's trillions of dollars that go into these products and how widely accessible they mm-hmm. are they influence both our internal and our, and our external environment and mm-hmm. we're just one human being you know we're just one person well, that's so. it
0: and you're, it's your liver's job to metabolize your hormones um, to help with digestion and absorption of nutrients, to process blood sugar. So if the liver's bogged down, by all these chemicals and not functioning well, then nothing's going to work
2: yeah. properly.
0: So if we're going to be working on reproduction, for an example, just to even just put into that little box, then the liver has to be functioning well. Mm-hmm. I can give you all the supplements in the world and you're not even going to absorb them if your liver is not mm-hmm. working properly. So we get the toxins out. And if anything, at least you're now not going to be transferring as many chemicals and toxins to you growing baby
2: right now that now right? you're really you're really honing in on things that you do have control over a hundred percent and if you can notice and manage all these things to the best of your ability you're going to have the best odds mm-hmm. in this modern world because there's some things that are inevitable it's just hey what are we going to stop having babies because we're living a sick planet like no let's just make the effort to have healthier babies and maybe they can take care of better they can take better care of our planet you know yeah yeah um, so
0: yeah it's all about education and um that's what we're here to do. I mean, that's what you're here to do. That's why you have a podcast. And it's so great that, you know, you have such a great, like a lot of viewers and people who are really listening and great people who've been on here to talk about, you know, what they love and what they do, because knowledge is power, you know, um, and being, ex- having experience on top of knowledge is also great. Mm-hmm. And that's going to pull you out of sometimes the science. Mm-hmm. You know, we often have, I have patients ask you, oh, is this scientifically proven? Is this scientifically no. proven? Well, nine times out of 10, yes, here's no. the research. I'll show it all to you. Um, but sometimes you just have to, th- let's think about this logically and let's think about what your body's doing and how your body's responding to certain things. Yeah. Right? I think and you know that you're like, your body is not gonna respond the same way as someone else. Yeah. And then look at like a lot of the keto research and fasting research is done on what? Men, mm-hmm. athletes. So when it comes to women, might not be the best for that. Women.
2: Well, I, I mean, most people, what do they do when they look at a study? look at the conclusion, but they don't look at the, the methods That's or it. the participants or whatever. Yeah. Was it so. a good
0: study? Who funded the study? Yeah. Uh, how many people were in the so, study? Oh,
2: fasting works for fat yeah. loss and whatever. And yeah. it's like, but you but know, not necessarily for women. No, I know. No, 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 I'm saying they're underrepresented. Definitely don't. I mean, most research... Like the vast majority of women are underrepresented or or mm-hmm. it's postmenopausal women that don't have the same fluctuations, pre or postmenopausal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like
0: there's a lot of factors involved. So it's um, actually Sarah Gottfried is really good. I don't know if you know who she is. Have, yeah, Sarah had, Gottfried. No. She she talks a little bit about how you can do a little bit of a keto diet as a woman. So taking mm-hmm. into consideration hormones and stuff. Um, but having a little bit more carbohydrates than, say, necessarily a male counterpart mm-hmm. uh, because just our reserves are different and our hormones fluctuate differently and we need different things compared to mm-hmm. a male, right? So it, it's it's cool. Like everybody's coming out with new research now and everybody's questioning, which is really great. Mm-hmm. And if you're questioning things that you're taking, if you're questioning... Um, if you're questioning me as your physician or your other physician, that's great. Yeah, I want skeptical. you to question me. Yeah, because you know? then
2: that helps us, that helps the literature grow and develop as well. Mm-hmm. People have to ask these questions. And that's the problem is like, well, that's one of the problems is like, you know, these modern doctors, which I know they play a pivotal role. They play a mm-hmm. crucial role. Mm-hmm. My parents are doctors. My, my There's a lot yeah. of physicians in my family. I wanted yeah. to be a, a doctor.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, But it's like, if you look at where the research is at with women and women's health and hormones and the lack mm-hmm. of evidence that there is, then what are we doing? We're just we're basically telling them, "Oh, take this birth control because we don't understand you yet." They don't. It's like just stay normal. Yeah. Because this is what we know. So just 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 hey, go over mm-hmm. there. It's like like.
0: Yeah. Or they're I, testing hormones on days of the cycle that I'm like that's irrelevant to me. Like I need you to yeah. test it on this day, uh, and then or they're testing women's hormones, but then they don't know how to interpret them.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's so. that's our I guess. Obviously, a little controversial, but I think that's my interpretation is like, oh, I don't understand you. Let me just give you this thing to like regulate. Or they you know, refer, whatever.
0: right? So yeah. um, actually, that's one of the discrepancies we see is like, you know, from a functional medicine perspective or, you know, in naturopathy, when we're looking at hypo, uh, hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal, thyroid, gut, gonadal, that whole kind of interconnection we need to think about okay how does this all come together now and what do we do where is the route where is it starting so that all these other things resolve but uh, unfortunately the way our medical system is set up is they they know like a lot of medical doctors know that there is this hpa access and it is related but they don't know how to integrate the knowledge no, and they were just course. weren't taught for you know and maybe they will we will be i'm sure and it's like still it's evolving, the knowledge is still evolving so. um but so it's, okay, well, I'm going to, I guess, refer you to, a, um, you know, an OBGYN for yeah. this part, and I'm going to refer you to, uh, oh, you have joint pain, I'll, I'll refer you yeah. to, uh, you know, so a rheumatologist. So they get referrals out to all these different specialists, and none of those specialists are talking to each other. Yeah. Meanwhile, the constipation, the inflammation in your joints, and your reproductive stuff is all related. Yeah. But they're not talking.
2: They're being treated independently.
0: Yeah, and they shouldn't be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just our medical system and how it's designed right now. There is pros, there's cons, there's pros in in functional medicine, cons in functional medicine too. Like we all have our limitations. So it's just about like, there's, it's great when you see uh, practitioners who are MDs who have that knowledge. And then they're also, you know, a functional medicine practitioner are bringing in the knowledge from sort of that natural world too. And they're integrating them. Like when you have that integrative approach to your health, that's like, your gold there Well,
2: oh, and if we want our kids to change the future we have to change ourselves <laughs> now to yeah. give them a fighting chance and uh help them show up as the best versions mm-hmm. of themselves and and uh yeah because currently with all the different ways that our minds and bodies are polluted you know yeah. maybe it's not in our best interest to take better care of ourselves and the planet mm-hmm. yeah for sure and uh well before we sign off here i'm curious if you have one phrase word or sentence that you could put on a billboard somewhere in the world oh. what would it say and where would you put it
0: okay can I give you two
2: okay.
0: Sure. <laughs> I, I was trying to think about this um let's start with the first thing I say to my patients all the time which is always in a relativity to reproduction because that's what we've been talking about I always say if you were to get pregnant today you are getting pregnant with an egg and a sperm that is as healthy as you were three months ago Okay, so thinking about that, mm-hmm. it takes the egg to mature the whole until ovulation is about 30, uh, 90 days, and sperm is about 72 days. So it's about three months. So you need to do like three months of work to really like up that quality in sperm. Even more is better, mm-hmm. but at least three months in order to see some change, mm-hmm. right? So thinking about that, a lot of people start thinking about their health once they fall pregnant, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, well, no, you should actually be thinking about it ahead of time. That I don't know where I would put that I feel like I would put in every single um, fertility clinic <laughs> mm-hmm. on the wall mm-hmm. because many fertility clinics don't even talk about nutrition, mm-hmm. don't even mention CoQ10. Oh, you, oh, you sit on your, your bum all day and don't exercise? That's okay. That's, we'll, we'll do IUI, we'll do IVF, you know, which is unfortunate because there's it, IVF and IUI has its place, 100%. It has, it's a miracle that we even have that technology. And it's amazing for a lot of people, but there's a lot of people that can avoid it if they're addressing other things first. Mm-hmm. And it is expensive; it's not it's not cheap for everyone, and it's hard on on women's bodies, you know, having all the hormones and stuff. So that's the first one. So your sperm, your if you are to get pregnant today, your sperm and your egg are as healthy as you were three months ago. Mm-hmm. The second one is sort of like more like a life uh, mantra that I follow, um, and it's don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. Have you heard mm-hmm. of that before? No. Okay, so this was in the context of when I first started um, in practice and then it came up again when I first started launching online programs. So when I f- it's, it basically, the whole thing is we compare ourselves constantly to people who maybe we admire people that we follow on Instagram who have hundreds of thousands of followers who have a podcast that's super um, famous. Um, maybe they have an online program that everyone knows about or they've written books, uh, but you're just starting out but all these anxieties come up, right? These, um, uh, what do you call it, um, imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and all these anxieties of, okay, why why am I not selling on my program right now? Or why do I only have this many patients in my practice and everybody, and, you know, she's full in her practice, what am I doing wrong? And so even like me, when I first started out, I was doing that, right? I was comparing myself to other people and it would cause me a lot of anxiety um, And I quit. A lot of my online programs that I launched never finished or never went to launch or I quit halfway through because I was like, well, nobody's going to buy it. Or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it didn't sell enough within the first month. So I'm just, there must be something wrong with it. And so then I saw this, I heard this, I don't even remember from where. And it said, don't compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. Cause the people that we're comparing ourselves to are those that have been doing this for months, years, some even decades, right? How many failures have they had to get where they are now and what struggles might they be having on the side? And so all we can do is really just like be in the present moment and be confident that, you know, what we want to share with the world is going to fall into the hands of the people that you want to see it Mm. and not have expectations of like selling this much or making this much money you know, this month and selling this many programs or having this many patients or whatever it is in your life that, that you're trying to achieve is just, you're at your beginning. So Mm -hmm. you're at your, where you're at and that's it. You can't compare yourself to somebody who's already down the line and the person behind you can't compare themselves to you. Mm -hmm. And I've had people say that to me, like, Oh, I wish, you know, that my practice was as full as yours, or I wish you know people knew me for my, the fertility stuff i do like they know you and i'm just like i've been doing this for over a decade girl you've been practicing for a year mm-hmm. like you'll get there right mm-hmm. you got to make your place and don't compare yourself mm-hmm. and it's um so that's something where would i put it that's a good question mm-hmm. In a billboard somewhere
2: <laughs> miami maybe
0: Mi- miami <laughs> um, part of the cause d- everyone
2: going into south beach getting drunk and partying <laughs> yeah
0: because <laughs> I, yeah, I think it 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 applies to so many things. Yeah. Right? So, and it's just I think it would just decrease so much anxiety in people. Oh, yeah. Don't you think?
2: Yeah, abso- absolutely.
0: Like do you find yourself comparing so I mean, you're you're very well off and and doing so great, but do you feel like at the beginning you felt like you had to
2: Definitely. I mean, I think it's natural to compare yourself to other people. Yeah. But I've I learned that um nothing is more valuable than authenticity 100% a lot of that authenticity you know you have to be you have to know when you're vulnerable when you're not maybe doing so hot you know so yeah but I think the process of being authentic really helps you align with and be clear on who you really are what your purpose is and where you are in life and what you can really what kind of value you can actually build in someone else's life Yeah. especially being in the healthcare field so yeah. I think it pays to be authentic and so I found myself that the more I compared myself the less authentic that I was and ultimately the more short sighted that I wasn't actually accomplishing greatness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so.
0: And when I when I started letting go of the fact that I needed to achieve and do all this and just started being more authentic in what I was doing, then I saw the growth and uh, the yeah. right people found me.
2: The right exactly. I'd rather I'd that's rather have it. less people love me than a lot of people <laughs> like me. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. So the more exactly. authentic that I get the more I feel like this sense of alignment, like everything, yeah. all the opportunities that people that come my way, I'm like, "Wow, that's perfect. That's like the perfect fit." Yeah. You know, so
0: When I first started um, launching online programs, I did like, you know, all of those. Oh, my God. They charge you like 10 grand to do this program and they're going to show you how to do um, your email marketing and how and exactly what yeah. to say in them. And that's how you're going to sell your program. And then you're going to have an upsell and you're going to have this. I did all that. It caused me so much stress. And I felt so slimy. I yeah. felt like I'm like, oh my god! I feel so slimy. Being, I felt so salesy, yeah. and like I'm like, this is not me. Like, I can't stand this. Yeah. And I, I, I stopped completely, and that's what we're like. I had a huge shift. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if it does not feel good to you, you should not be doing it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I could feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, Jess, it's been an uh, honor <laughs> and pleasure. This is great. Yeah.
0: Uh, thank you so much for having me. Of course. I, you know, I hope that. So there was something somebody could take away today, even if it's just something no small.
2: Doubt. Yeah, I've learned a lot. And I'm sure that our our audiences learn a lot, too. So.
0: And I as well from you. Yeah. I might go buy some of these underwear for, you <laughs> know. make female, underwear.
2: male, under- <laughs> they, all kinds of underwear. Yeah, it's great.
0: I might grab some for my my way home on the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, for, for sure. just to go through and be like, Lambs
2: look at it. Lamb's <laughs> underwear. Lamb's underwear. It's great. Oh, that's great. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for having me. And keep doing yeah. what you're doing because you're inspiring so many people. And Thank you. Um, and just stay authentic because that's number one yeah there you go
2: (laughs) awesome thank you guys thank you Arno so that's all for today's show thank you so much for tuning in today for all of the show notes, including clickable links to anything and everything that we discussed today, everything from discount codes to videos, to research articles, books, tips, tricks, techniques, and of course, to learn more about the guest on today's episode, all you have to do is head to my website, AndresPreschel.com, that's A-N-D-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-C-H-E-L.com, and go to podcasts. You can also leave your feedback, questions, and suggestions for future episodes, future guests, so on and so forth. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you on the next one. Have a lovely rest of your day.